Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Thanks for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Now, the thing that I help owners with the most is dealing with overwhelm. All the things that we need to do to own and manage a business, uh, it's overwhelming. And and if we don't have a good handle on the right things that we should be doing, uh, it can turn into a big mess. This is something that I talk about a lot here on the podcast. And I think it's one of the contributing factors uh, to business overwhelm, to burnout. And we often throw spaghetti at the wall hoping that something sticks. We don't have a strategic plan. We don't have a plan, step-by-step guide to running a business or specifically a salon. And we just have to wing it for a bit or for a long bit. (laughs) And when we keep throwing more and more spaghetti at the wall, hoping that more and more of the spaghetti will stick. uh, And if we throw enough, some will stick eventually, right? And at some point though, if we throw enough spaghetti, the spaghetti gets heavy and it falls on the floor. Now I can talk about this because I was this person once upon a time. And we have too many cans open. We throw too much spaghetti. And actually, it starts to get really hard to know what specifically is working and what isn't. It's just a mushy mess. And uh, it's hard to tell when we don't know what's working, what isn't, what to stop and what to start and what to continue with. I think this is what halts forward momentum, actually. And it's frustrating. Uh, because we end up just feeling lost in the dark and giving it a good goal, a good go. Um, as a result, uh, we don't get the results that we want. We're working too hard, nothing changes, right? This is how we lead ourselves to burnout. Been here? I've been here. I mean, ultimately, we want a happy team. Ultimately, we want happy clients. We want to keep our family happy at home. We want to be happy in ourselves. Uh, and we want to grow our business without burnout. I know, like, like me, you want to live a life of freedom and profit. Do We do want that freedom of time to do what we want, when we want, how we want it. This is why we started a business in the first place, right? And I think it's not too much to ask to be profitable also. Why can't we have our cake and eat it too? So I think the answer and the focus of today's podcast is around the five ones. I think there are five things, five departments of our business that we need to nail and go deep and really complete the process of discovering what actually works, letting go of the things that don't work, and really stepping into owning the things that work fully and properly and putting each one of those on repeat. Like, this is how we do it here. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm a creative entrepreneur. I don't want to do things uh that are on repeat sounds dull and boring to me I like to create I like to see great new ideas I like to implement them that's what sparks joy in my life but on the downside of that uh well no it's a blessing to be a creative entrepreneur um and be a really great starter um and if we continue to do start things 
then we don't complete things and we have a lot of open cans we have a lot of half completed projects uh you know the spaghetti <laughs> this is not how we get the results we get the results by working on the five things that are actually fundamentally and foundationally going to move the needle in our business, set us up for success, allowing us to move forward, finding the process that works, uh, that sells, that motivates, and put those things on repeat, recycle, reuse, and even reduce. Now, I remember my kids when they were little, uh, they were into Bob the Builder, and it was also always about recycle, reuse, and, and uh, reduce, or rejoice. <laughs> um, but I think actually in terms of the systems and processes that we put into our business, we don't spend enough time going deep into perfecting what works before we're onto the next shiny object. Is this you? This was me. I have to work hard at not being this person. So I want to encourage you to do the same. So let's talk about the five ones and how we can make them reliable, solid, stable, not words that uh, probably you resonate with if you're a creative, shiny object entrepreneur, but hold tight. Um, because these are the things that are actually going to make our business drive forward in a sustainable way. Because I believe that we should focus on these five ones actually until we build a million dollar business. And if you have no desire to build a million dollar business, that's fine too. But I still think you should focus on these five ones until you get to your goal. And in this way, it makes quite a simple business model, right? Five things. Like, I think we overcomplicate things unnecessarily. So let's talk about the five things. Number one, attract ideal clients. Now, the first one thing that we really need to nail down is what I call the attraction formula. Uh, where we need to have one ideal client know intimately who we are serving and who we want to attract into our business. So when we do our marketing or we design our service delivery methods, we can attract and serve her um, and that we have one marketing message that draws the right client into our business the one uh, the one right who is your ideal client the person who raves about your business uh, and is unflinchingly loyal the person who if you could have 50 more more clients like them you'd be like super happy super happy on your way to hitting huge goals um, I think the way that you fill your salon with these people is by really niching down and getting crystal clear about who your ideal client is, what challenges she faces, how you can uniquely solve her problems. Uh, but beyond solving their specific problem, you also need to know how to articulate this problem to her and that you can solve it. How does your ideal client talk about their problems and their challenges? And what is it that they say that they want? And I think niching down your message and mirroring back to them in their own language, what they want, what they need and how they like it, you'll find that your client um, looks to you as their soulmate service provider, right? Uh, we have one way to serve her, making her a top priority. And the mistake I think is that sometimes we can prioritize the preferences of our team. Um, we need to play the music that she likes, not the music of our team, not the music that our team loves, the services that are suited to our client, not the preferences of our stylist and the fashion fads, but who our client loves. Choose uh, brand suppliers that she will resonate with, that she sees herself aligned to, not just the favorite products of your team or who's the cheapest. 
Um, and I think that really wraps into not try, not trying to attract every man and his dog. And when you talk to everyone, guess what? Actually, no one is listening. One message. Um, and we want to create content that she will stop the scroll for and actually look at. Um, not necessarily images or conversations that my 22-year-old stylist loves, but that my 40-year-old client loves. Um, otherwise, she's going to scroll right on by. We want our ideal client to get to know us, like us, trust us enough that she makes the buying decision with us and she chooses our brand, not just once, but again and again and again. And I think once you've got that sorted, then we should focus on one pathway, one platform, one funnel, one step-by-step -step strategy that clients can find us, know that we exist, and then choose to do business with us. We don't, and, and really, we don't want anybody. We just want great ideal clients who care about us and care about our area of expertise, how we can help them. So this leads me on to step number two, the second of the five ones and that is to be the expert so now if you've niched down and narrowed your ideal client it's time to show them who's the expert but I think first you need to be sure that you're the expert that they want and they need um, and if you're not clear on who you are as an expert uh, or who you need to be for your ideal client then I think you need to step back to step number one and return to the drawing board and go really who is our client who are we serving now, for example, does your client want you to be an extension specialist, the queen bee of balayage? And again, trying to be everything to everyone actually doesn't gain traction. It doesn't help you. You have to double down on who you're talking to and take a stand on what you're talking to them about, a clear message. And at the end of the day, the biggest competition isn't the salon down the street. Well, I mean, I guess other than making your brand stand out and you're just not just another salon like them that just does half a head of foils like come on now <laughs> we need to position ourselves as the expert at the one thing that your ideal client needs and wants from you now of course they could be two things but they need to be aligned and you need to command that level of attention that actually stops the scroll because at the end of the day people want to trust your skills and your expertise, and they need to know that you can look after them. I think too often we think about ourselves and we become we, 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 we like this and we do that and we are the experts. No, stop. It's about them. The cool thing is if we take this approach, then uh, this actually lets them decide that you are right for them and it changes your whole marketing strategy to clients uh, wanting to come to you rather than you desperately going out to the marketplace trying to convince them to come to you with desperate marketing, marketing uh, shortcuts, discount deals, uh, etc. So I think ultimately that's why you should specialize and really stand for something. Become the expert in your local area. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team, you love your team, but you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. 
and I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients make more because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, let's talk about number three. Our third one thing is to find out our hero service or our signature service. Like you know who she is and you know who you are talking to. You know who you are as a brand. Now, what's your signature service or your hero service that you and your team can sell to her again and again and again? And uh, if your, uh, let's say, your expertise is, in, is being a color specialist, how can you design your hero service around that expertise? So maybe you'll design looks and collections, fashion season focused collections. Uh, maybe you'll focus your hero service on specific looks, balayage or whatever the latest fashion is. Maybe it's the unicorn color, whatever, whatever your thing is, maybe there's a look. Uh, maybe you're an extension specialist. Maybe you're straightening keratin curls. Maybe you're skin specialists. Maybe you're hair removal specialists. <laughs> a barber is a specialist in men's hair, right? Maybe you do special color techniques that looks natural for a certain demographic that really doesn't want to look colored and they look supernatural. Doesn't matter what it is, but you have to stand for something. And we need to articulate that and what your hero service is going to be. Now, this is where you're going to make the majority of your money. A hero or signature service needs to be profitable. One of the most profitable services in your business. It needs to be easy to teach your team. More people doing it without years of training. Like we want to get, um, this industry is in crisis for highly skilled trained people. And so we need to be able to create a hero service or signature service. that's actually easy and, uh, to teach team members quickly and swiftly. So if you have uh, team turnover or you're not uh, filling those spots quickly, it's not going to take you a long time to train someone in a highly specialized service. Quick, easy, teach. Uh, and the third part of your hero or signature service is that your clients need to want it, right? Um, it doesn't have to, your clients need to want it, but I'm going to say en masse, like we don't want to have an overly specialist service. It is so specialist that there's such a small percentage of the market that actually want and care about it. This is not going to make you a profitable business. We need to stay nice and wide that it's a service that a majority of people have. Is this making sense? So once you're clear about who you are, what you sell, and what your hero service is going to be that the majority of your clients are going to have, then we want to create what I would call an upgrade strategy. Uh, a strategy to take your clients on a journey, an upgrade menu. And you can take her on a journey. I actually think uh, that this is a good retention strategy. Selling more to your clients is a retention strategy. I'll tell you why. Here's a question for you. Which one do you believe to be true? Uh, once a client is happy with her service, that she will spend, she will choose to spend more with you. Or uh, are clients happier and they become happier clients and more um, satisfied customers because they spend more 
So do they have to be happy first to spend more or do they need to spend more first to become happy? I want you to think about that just for a moment. I'm going to pause. I actually believe it's the second. I think our clients are happier because they spend more, right? You think about it. When they have the things that make them look good, feel good, because you did all of the things on them, they invested in you, but actually really they invested in themselves. I think then they become happier. Because if you think of a client that has uh, a cut, she has a color on a regular basis, she has foils, she has a toner, she has a treatment to lock in the color, give her moisture, make sure it shines for five and a half weeks, not just for two weeks. Um, she books regularly, so she gets the time that she uh, wants and that suits her does this make a happy client she walks out of the salon and for five and a half weeks she looks amazing she when you look good you feel great I believe that's a happy client now if the client has to be happy with your stinking old boring haircut no okay so maybe the haircut's not boring but maybe you're just giving her a haircut and you're waiting to be her for her to be so happy with a haircut that she comes and asks you I love my haircut so much will you color me no that's not how you make good long-term uh, satisfied clients, you have to lead her on a journey. We call it uh, a five-star journey. Client, we need to turn clients. It's our responsibility to turn clients into five-star clients. Five stars. That means they have all of the five things that we can possibly sell them. Right? Are you hearing me? I did some research, and a couple of years ago, I did some research because we work with uh, a lot of salon owners. And I looked at the average client spend versus retention rate. And did you know the salons that have a higher average client spend actually have a higher retention rate? And so I think that proves that they are more happy when they spend more money. So I think we need a strategy to sell them our core base hero signature service. And then we need a strategy to grow them into five-star clients. So once you have your hero service, we need to create an upgrade menu that you can extend the journey for your clients and turn them into five stars, right? She might start as a one-star and then we build her over time into a five-star. This is the ticket to growth. Okay, on that, I just want to say uh, a quick thing, a quick side note. Don't be afraid to promote yourself. You cannot expect anyone to be talking about you and your brand if you're not talking about what you do, right? And you can most definitely not sell a secret. Um, and I'm talking about uh, selling, talking, promoting, you know, you and your services inside the salon as much as outside. Because I think if we're constantly searching for new clients all the time, we're not nurturing our existing clients and we need to grow from the inside out like think about it this way if our clients inside of our business are not buying our offerings our signature services and engaging in our upgrades menu then how can we expect new clients to right make yourself known to people make your products and services known to the people you already have before you go and shout it out to people you don't even know right you don't they don't know you yet they won't buy from you yet <laughs> so uh I think we need to be a little bit patient and consistent. I think the word is consistency. People may not always be ready to invest today on the first day that you suggest something. Uh, we need to give them time. And when they are happy, 
and they are ready to invest that you're ready to upgrade. So a bit of consistency about how we deliver and share our message about the services and products that we have to offer, right? We need to stay present in their feed. We need to remind them constantly in our consultations and our offerings of what it is that we have available and move them towards it. I think one of the problems is, is that we uh, try a bunch of stuff and if it doesn't work immediately on the first time, we kind of throw it away. And we look for something new, shiny, and we're constantly looking for like the silver bullet, the one thing that's going to like dramatically change our business. I don't believe there's a silver bullet. It's all of these things. It's all five of these one things executed beautifully. So it's a, sometimes a little bit of a process of elimination to find out the things that actually work and then stick to those, repeat, right? Put the pathway together and stick to one pathway. That's the discipline. And we need to stop this kind of random everywhere pulling things, pulling things together at the last minute and hoping they magically, magically this strategy is going to work. So once we've nailed our one client, our one area of expertise, our one hero or signature service with, its, with an upgrade plan, and once we hit the million dollar mark, then I give you permission to diversify and, and do a few of your shiny objects. Okay, let's step into number four. I think if we've found our ideal client and how to market to them, how to serve them, then it's time to turn our attention to our team. And in order for you to grow a business that's not revolved around you, we need to find a methodology or a pathway to find great people, employ the right people, and induct them quickly into our way of doing things and get them in income generating fast. I actually did an episode with Eloise recently, Coach Eloise, uh, how to employ people for free. Uh, between six and 12 weeks, let's employ people for free and uh, get them up and running quickly. I'm going to leave the link to that episode in the show notes of this episode. Um, and I think we have to think bigger than our current state uh, of the industry and overcome the roadblock. Like, let's face it, this industry is, it's not in crisis now. I think it's been in crisis for a long time. It's hard to find staff, let alone great staff. And if you want to win, you have to train your own, right? Like truly, I think you have to train your own. Like let's stop pretending and complaining about the lack of people in the industry and let's get on and win and overcome this. We have to nail this if we want to win and grow our business in this industry. I actually did another episode with Eloise actually around looking for staff and the mindset around that. I'll link that also uh, in the show notes of this podcast. Because actually, probably for the most of you, you're going to employ somebody two or three times a year, like every year. So why are we surprised suddenly when this happens? Like get prepared, plan ahead. I actually think you need about a 90-day plan in advance to get someone on board and ready for when you actually either have the demand or are ready to fill them. Um, and we need slightly longer if we actually need to train them. So here's a couple of things to think about in terms of creating an employee pathway. Uh, when you can't find qualified staff, train your own. Get clear on who you want in your team. Don't make them all the same as you. Um, I think differences may challenge you, but I actually think it's good for the growth of your business. Don't be afraid to employ people that are better at you in some areas. Like it doesn't mean that you can't lead them. Also, um, employ those that you can train from some sort of basic grounding like let's not employ people that that we have to train them how to be a basic human being like how to turn up 
on time, uh, how not to be sick all the time, like get make sure they've got some basic human skills. And, and I think that's the challenge when we employ so young in this industry, they don't know just the basics of turning up to employment. Uh, employ in advance. Consider the time it takes to advertise and induct them and get them up and running. So we need to plan for this in advance and possibly budget in advance. Plan your systems once and keep them in an organized system. Now, again and again, I say to people, are you ready to employ someone? Where are your ads, your interview processes? Where are all of your induction process? Where are these things? And the response I often get as well, the ad is, um, well, I have to scroll back in my Facebook feed. And some of the things in my computer at home and some of them are uh, at work and some of them um, at my boyfriend's house. Like, come on. Come on now, people, let's get an organized system because this is something you're using two or three times a year. Let's set it up, be systematic, don't be surprised, put it in place, and then get on with the job, right? All right, once you have nailed this, then I think number five is a, pro a progression plan. Uh, I think there needs to be a progression, one progression plan for all of your team members, like a really clear pathway from the beginning. So I'm talking about once you've inducted them, you've got them income generating, they've arrived and they're now a team member. Uh, to the end, if there is an end, or make sure that there isn't an end. So, you, so your team knows how she can progress inside of your business and your brand. She needs to see your business at the center of her future. So when she looks into her future, she sees you. And all the ways and the pathways that you're going to take her to the promised land, like one pathway into the future for your team members. And now in Salon Mastery, we call this, do I get a pay rise? I love that. I love that name. Uh, that's what we called it when I had my salon. And I want you to be a step ahead of your team members so that you can say to her, hey, Jane, come with me. Let's go and have a chat and let's talk about how we can get you a pay rise. And we can have that conversation together rather than being shit scared basically about your team members coming along and saying to you oh Larissa uh, I don't think you're paying me enough uh, I think I need a pay rise and you're like mate you're not even making target so I need to lay it out for her in advance ahead of time so she doesn't get to that point and so she understands and I think you can have one progression plan for your whole team and that everybody knows about it is clear about it how they win and when, what they need to do to get to the next pay rise. And then your job's easy. You just need to teach them how to perform well. They will already know in advance what the milestones are. Um, and I think it needs to be open and everyone on the same pathway. I just think it erodes a team whenever it's secret and nobody knows. Uh, they think that Jane's getting more than them because, uh, but Jane doesn't earn as much as me and it all just gets a bit weird. If you want to have a great congruent team that stays with you for the long time, you need to have it open and show them this is how we win here, right? Everyone has the same opportunities to earn the same if they perform the same. Then everyone's clear about how they succeed inside of your business. All right, those are the five things that I think that you need to nail and create a really clear process and have that down pat and buttoned up before you put any other major strategies in, in place inside of your business. If you don't have those fundamentals solid, uh, then I think you're building a house of cards. I guess one last comment, um, and this has really been a big lesson for me multiple times over, 
And I think this lesson fits beautifully into the um, this kind of story that I've been talking about today around commitment and the discipline of implementing the five ones, the five methodologies that actually streamline your business and get you forward momentum results. Um, and that is that if it's not broken, don't fix it. Now, I know that before I sold my business, things were going so well, so beautifully, we were so successful, kind of really didn't know what to do with myself. Uh, it really didn't need me anymore. And it all worked. I'd worked myself out of it, essentially. And I reckon that I went back into my business periodically and I tried to fix things that, you know what, really weren't broken. And I think that was a little bit disruptive to my team. And I certainly wasn't aware of it at the time. I don't know if they were. Um, but when we get things run, running really, really well, like I believe you get these fundam five fundamentals in place, uh, things will be running really, really well. And when things are going systematically beautiful and you have consistent growth and you have all the five ones in order and the people are following the systems and the processes beautifully and you're nurturing them, then it's easy to feel a little bit like, oh, well, what do I do now? What do I do next? Or what's the next challenge? Or, uh, or they don't need me anymore. And we feel our ego gets a little bit hurt. Um, and I think that's when we want to start adding things in and on, adding sprinkles, shiny objects. And I think we can easily overcomplicate things unnecessarily. I think we do this even when things aren't going great, right? So please be mindful not to fix things that aren't actually broken. When things are going well, leave them alone. <laughs> uh, I think, to be quite honest, I've been guilty of this a little bit recently in my own business here at Salon Owners Collective. I started to build out some shiny objects that I didn't actually have the resources, i.e. the people, the time, the brain space, to implement. And I remember I got my knickers in a twist because I was a little upset that I couldn't push these cool things that I wanted to do out into the world. Um, it became a little bit hard. It got a little bit complicated. And I got, my, I got in, you know, in a bit of a tiz, just internally. Um, and I know the trigger is that as soon as something starts to get complicated or I get overwhelmed, I just know it's wrong. It's not right. It's not right for now. And it shouldn't be done yet anyway. It's really hard to put it on the back burner or on the holding pattern or in the parking space. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm pushing shit uphill here. Uh, I'm trying to force something that shouldn't naturally happen, or at least yet anyway. And I realized, you know, right now for where we're at, things are actually perfect. Stop trying to make things better that are already good uh, and put your focus on fixing the things that aren't working perfect. Um, and I think the only reason I was trying to change it essentially or break it is because I could I could see what's possible what where I could take it next and it wasn't the right attempt uh, focus right does this resonate I think that all of this comes down to the discipline as the CEO of your business is to have some restraint to control yourself to say no and stop letting things get complicated and if I you know like if I go down this path it'll be overwhelming for me and it will be confusing and overwhelming and put undue stress on my team. Also, do you know what? For our clients. So um, I think what I want to say as the parting message is sometimes business is going to get just a little bit boring for a short time, especially if you manage to be super successful, get it going super well, really simply, right? And I want you to just for a moment embrace the boring when things are on repeat and going really well. Enjoy that moment. 
Because if you're anything like me, a creative entrepreneur, I don't like things on repeat. I like to create. I hate to follow systems. Um, but that's why I'm the leader of the business because I don't want to follow somebody else's systems, right? But I do need to have a little bit of patience um, when I create great systems and then lo and behold, they work. So uh, I need to pull my head in basically is what I'm saying. Uh, and maybe you do too, you know, um, do you know what's going really well? And if your customers or your clients are getting great results, just leave it alone, enjoy your success. Otherwise, we send everybody else, including yourself, into overwhelm. So um, come and join me in the Profitable and Successful Salon Owners Facebook group. Let me know. And if you want help implementing the five ones, if you want help implementing some discipline to stop fixing all the things that aren't broken, or maybe you just want to actually put the systems together and, and, and in place in a systematic way and you want help with that, then... Uh, send me a DM. Let's check in. Uh, let's have a chat. You can tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your team, your salon, and let's see if I'm the right person to help you achieve your goals. Right. Uh, okay. That's a wrap from me, I think. I look forward to seeing you or connecting with you same time, same place next week. And it's a ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.